Boskana Beauty episode, we were talking about how to balance your hormones and learning about perimenopause, menopause, what you can expect, and what are things you can do better for your female health with a certified hormone specialist. Today's guest is Pam Bramlett, a certified hormone specialist and registered pharmacist with over 22 years of experience and owner of Compounding Solutions in Greenville, South Carolina. Pam has studied under the top bioidentical hormone experts in the country and continues to be mentored by these physicians. With over 500 hours of continuing education over the last 12 years, Pam is committed to bringing women and their physicians the most up-to-date knowledge on bioidentical hormone therapies. Pam's passion is helping women understand what is going on in their bodies hormonally when symptoms occur. Her desire to educate women and their physicians is what led her to open her Women's Health Pharmacy in late 2013. And a personal thank you to Pam for helping Ashley when she was going through <laughs> whatever. No, no, that, that her was everybody. hormone crisis. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. I was like, who can we talk to? We have to find somebody yeah. like today. Yeah, it was. Yes. Progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, way out of whack. No, let me crazy. tell you something. When I went in for my consultation with Pam, it was so informative and I just got so much information. And that then when they had the Women Hormone Conference, and Pam was a speaker. I told my mom and Lindsay, I said, Pam is speaking at the hormone conference in Greenville. We've all got to go. And then Lindsay was in there. I'm getting chills because Lindsay was in there. And during Pam's You're speech. You're not sweating. You're getting chills. <laughs> <laughs> Just sorry. <laughs> during Pam's speech, Lindsay elbows me. She goes, we got to get Pam on the podcast. I did. Yeah. yeah. I, said, I told you she was awesome. And... I was walking into the conference and women, Pam, you don't see this because you were on the inside. They were literally like running to get in, to get their seat. They're yeah. all sweating. And yeah. <laughs> so many women were there. I couldn't believe it. Like we're all in when everybody, when you have questions, question, question, question. Like so many women had questions. My neighbor stopped me the other day. She didn't know I had gone to um, your conference and she was telling me about all her hormone problems. She's like, I can't sleep through the night. I'm sweating, blah, blah, blah. I said, you've got to go here. She was so excited about the upcoming conference. And the, uh, so anyway, I just want to tell you, thank you. So that leads me to ask you the question, Pam, um, because you're so passionate about it. What made you decide to become a hormone specialist and open up your own pharmacy? Well, my journey is somewhat unique. I did start my career. I went to pharmacy school at the University of Georgia and went out to be a pharmacist and was going to change the world, of course, like we all think we're going to do. And I just was not happy working in the world of pharmacy. It was, I don't know, it just was, it didn't fit my personality at all. I was in the hospital. I was in the basement by the morgue. It just wasn't, you know, I'm like, this is not the life I'm supposed to live. So I went and got a job working for the pharmaceutical industry and actually spent the majority of my adult career working for GlaxoSmithKline. I love my job. I felt like I helped a lot of people. But it was getting to be to the point to where this wasn't enough as well. And I was always a seeker of health and wellness. I was always looking for other ways to help myself. I had chronic migraines uh, in my 30s, and I was always trying to figure out how do I help myself because all these pills they kept giving me are not working. So I actually retired from Big Pharma in 2010, and 
A month or so after that, went on a very nice long vacation to Paris with a girlfriend of mine, and I absolutely fell in love with the French apothecaries. I mean, my girlfriend wanted to go in the lingerie stores and the perfume shops, and I'm like, there's a pharmacy. Let me just run to the pharmacy and see what's in there. And interestingly enough, and I really think it was a God thing, every time I went into a pharmacy in Paris, the pharmacist was always female, and she was either sharing with women you know, like a cream or a a supplement or something. The woman was going like this. And I'm like, oh, they're talking about hormones, I think. Now, at the time, I knew nothing about hormones. But little did I know, at 48, that was all about to change for me and my friends. So that sort of planted the seed for going, coming back home and becoming a different kind of a pharmacist. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I never had the intentions of opening my own pharmacy. Never. But the seed was planted in Paris and um, the seed was watered by my friend that went with me on the trip. She's a dear friend and she kept saying, Pam, you need to do it. You need to do it. You need to open that pharmacy for women. And 10 years later, it took me three years to figure it out, uh, how to do it, and to get trained to know all the things I needed to know. Um, So it started learning how to compound, which is, you know, customizing medications. At my very first course, I learned about personalizing hormone therapies and how every woman's hormones are different. Uh, Well, maybe I should say unique. We all have the same hormones in our body, but our hormones are unique to us depending on where we are in life or what's happening in our lives with stress. So that really resonated with me because the concept of somebody personalizing something for my body just sounded like, duh, why aren't we doing this for everybody? Of course, that's not the model, you know, with Big Pharma. They make stuff for the masses. So we're here to fill in the gaps when Big Pharma can't help you get better with our little women's health, personalized medicine, compounding hormone pharmacy. Did you notice, this is just because I'm always into skin, did you French pharmacies are known for like the best skincare. Oh gosh! Did you know that? I came home with so much. I came in? home with so many wonderful things. Did you? Yes. Yeah. So I can't. We're gonna have to go to Paris yeah. just for. I, I think the three of us need to go. I think the three of us need to go. Yes. Right. So I noticed that you said that you know at 48, this is where you know little did you know that your life was about to change, and so your other friends' lives were about to change. So I am 48 as well, and a lot of my friends and and peers and everybody, we're on that journey as well. So I wanted to ask you, can you explain what is the difference between perimenopause and menopause? Because when I'm out on when I'm doing research or listening on videos, you know anything. I see these two words being used interchangeably, and it's not that way at all. That is a great question, and I do think there's so much confusion out there, and when we do go on the internet, we get even more confused, or then when we go to our doctor and go and think, well, they're going to figure this out for us, and they're going to help me, that's not always successful. So perimenopause, basically, peri is means the time before, so it's the time before menopause. Menopause technically is one day. It is the one day when you have not had a period for 12 months. So after one year of no periods, you are in menopause. The next day, you are postmenopausal. But there is a time leading up to that menopausal day and the rest of your life. So we talk about menopause being forever after we hit it, and that's fine. That's what everybody does. But there is a time in a woman's life that hormones begin to shift, And that time can start as early as 35. 
We know that the first hormone to start declining in women is progesterone, and progesterone is our pregnancy hormone. So it makes sense that one would decline first, right? When that happens, women start to feel some irritability. Maybe they have some nights where they're not sleeping well. Maybe they wake up in the middle of the night, not sleep through the night. Um, They start having heavier periods very often. Towards the end of perimenopause, when the estrogen starts dropping, they start having the lighter periods. But in that first maybe five years or so, you can have a drop in progesterone and your estrogen still be very robust and very normal levels. So what that does is it throws your body out of balance. And if you talk to a a traditional physician about hormone balance, they don't really know what you're talking about. And I've had quite a few ask me to quit talking about hormone balance. And I scratch my head going, oh my God, that's all I've been taught is how to balance hormones. But, you know, over the years, I've realized that hormone balance is not taught to the doctors in their training or their postgraduate studies. Why is that? Yes. That explains Ashley had quite a challenge with her doctor. Generally, the women that find me, many of them have been trying to fix their hormones, well, to fix their problem, their issues, their symptoms for years. And they maybe went in, you know, five, six, seven, ten years ago going, I think it's my hormones. And they were just dismissed, dismissed, dismissed. And ladies, we know when things change in our body. I mean, if we're somewhat aware, you don't even have to be 100% aware, but if we're somewhat aware of this body we live in, we know when something changes. We know. And to be told, you're getting old. That's normal. Deal with it. You know, everybody's going through that. So then let me ask you this. When, in your opinion, should a woman get her hormones tested? And what is the best way to do this because I learned I already know the answer because we went to your conference and I actually learned about this and I've gotten my hormones tested in the wrong way at the beginning so I'm excited for you to share this with everybody yes so my hormone teacher and I've had many teachers but I've had one teacher that I have remained committed to for the last 12 13 years and she has five daughters by the way and her hormones went into a tailspin in her late 30s early 40s And she couldn't find anybody to help her with her hormones. And she said, I wish I had just measured my hormones. And I didn't do it. But I finally found somebody that told me you have to measure your hormones and test them the right way. Ideally, you measure your hormones before they start going, I like to say, wonky doodle. Before they start declining and getting irregular and erratic, you measure your hormones to see how good, when you feel good. Now, unfortunately, we have a lot of women these days taking birth control pills, And I just want to put out there, I'm not anti-birth control at all, or birth control pill, but your hormones will never be balanced on a birth control pill because hormone birth control pills are designed to block ovulation. And when you block ovulation, you block progesterone. So any young woman or, you know, midlife woman on a birth control pill will not have balanced hormones because they will not have any progesterone. But ideally, you measure your hormones at 35. Now, most women don't know that, but thanks to ladies like you, maybe we'll get the word out. If you don't know about the age of 35, then you test them when you begin to feel like something has shifted. And you do not have to go to the doctor to test your hormones. You can actually test your hormones with an at-home saliva test. If you are able to talk your physician into testing your hormones, they're going to do blood work. And blood work is not the best way to test your hormones. And I'll tell you why. Hormones work in your tissues. And when they pull your blood, they are pulling your hormones 
out of your bloodstream that is bound to a protein because that's how they have to jump out of your tissue, get in your bloodstream, attach to a protein, and then get to another tissue. So they're going to always look low when they're bound to a protein because they're bound up. When we measure in saliva, that is more indicative to what your hormones are doing in the tissues in your body, which is where they exert all of their good things and all of the wonderful things they do for our body. So a lot of hormone experts recommend testing in saliva. Now, sometimes we have to look at blood. Sometimes with thyroid, we look at blood or other things. Sometimes we look at urine and we look at how your hormones are metabolized. But a good first step, like if I want to test my hormones, I just get a baseline. I would recommend saliva testing, which is by ZRT Laboratories. And you can actually pick those tests up from our pharmacy or you can go online and order through ZRT Labs or you can go on Amazon and order. And I generally recommend the Profile 3, which tests your sex hormones and your cortisol. We had that. We yep. picked it up. I did that. I picked it up at, P- at Pam's Pharmacy, and I did that. And it took about two weeks for me to get my test results back. And it was so comprehensive, and it was it just really clued me into a lot of things that were going on. And, yeah, and it was different from my blood tests. I wanted to tell women about when you talked about the birth control the Aura Ring is now available for women and you don't have to have it on the Wi-Fi feature because I just asked them because I didn't want to go on. I'm 46, so I'm still ovulating. I didn't want to go on birth control. They now have an app, so it keeps track of your basal temperature. So then you know when you're ovulating. Did you see that? Yes. Well, I have an Aura Ring that I have to get back on, but I saw that their new edition did have the birth control feature. That is awesome. I mean, there are people out there, ladies, that are trying really hard to get women educated on what's going on in their bodies hormonally. And I'm so thankful for that. I just thought we are moving towards, you know, I don't know, the future a little bit, the technology. We, we are moving forward, finally. Yeah. I have a personal question to ask you. I know. We're, so I just had a baby about six months ago. Do I need to test my hormones now or when should I start to t- I mean, I still feel a little wonky. <laughs> I don't know. What's the best time for me to... When you have a baby, your hormones just go through the roof. And then you deliver that baby and your hormones kind of fall off the cliff. So I would say six months would be a good time to test. I probably wouldn't do it before six months because it probably takes a good three to six months for your hormones to, you know, get back in your body and kind of settle, so to speak, with what they're going to do post-baby. But yeah, six months would probably be a great time. There's no bad time to measure your hormones. And I did want to make sure everybody knows that. If you feel... I mean, in your gut, in your women's intuition, if you feel something is off in my body, and I really believe it's my hormones, you're probably right. So that's why I love these saliva tests, because you do not even have to go to the doctor and ask them to test your hormones. That You just do it yourself, and then, you know, you can get it with somebody like me, and we can go over it and figure out what to do next. Have you connected with our online skincare community yet? Yep, that's right. This podcast, it's so great. And we are so honored that you have us part of your skincare journey every week through the podcast. But we want to connect with you further. We really do. This is why Ash and I have developed LaPree Beauty. This is our online skincare journey for healthy aging. LaPree stands for lasting, present, everyday beauty. I bet you didn't even know we had a skincare community. <laughs> we just had this podcast, which we love. But no, Ash and I created this beautiful community where you can be with other women who are also on their beauty journey to learn more about what works, what doesn't, how to use certain products, beauty tools, and even supplements. We foster the community with messages to our members. Yes, 
you're actual people and <laughs> yes, actually, and I do exist and we want to connect with you. So inside our community, we offer skincare and product videos created by me. So if you don't know, I'm a master esthetician. I have 13 years of experience as an esthetician. And also I used to own a spa. I owned a spa for over 13 years. So I have seen a lot of skin. I keep updated on the latest. It's my passion in the skincare industry and what's on the cutting edge. And I love sharing it with our community. We also have an exclusive ongoing skincare and product database that we only share with our members that gives questions and answers from our members in-depth product reviews and the ingredient descriptions with the EWG rating for products. This is really cool. I, have, I haven't seen this done before from what I've seen. So we wanted to create something so unique, helpful, that would allow you to feel confident about skincare in a world where honestly, it can just be so overwhelming. I'm even overwhelmed. So I'm here to cut through that overwhelm and tell you what works, what doesn't, what I like. So it just helps you out. So it's so easy to join. It literally takes like 30 seconds. Head to lindsayholder.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-H-O-L-D-E-R.com and select the join button on the homepage. Also that page goes over in depth, everything that we offer in the community. And just, you can read about it to see if it's going to be a good fit for you. We are so excited to have you join connect deeper with you and be a part of something that you love. I promise you, you're going to love it. It's awesome. I love it. So I know you will too. So get ready. As soon as you join, guess what? You're going to receive a message from Ashley and myself and personally welcome you. And we ask every member this question. Okay. So get ready. Here's the question we're going to ask you. We truly want to know your answer. We ask, what is one skincare question or issue that you would like to learn about so we can help you? That is truly what we are passionate about and ready to help you and other women too. So join today at lindsayholder.com and we will see you inside the community. How often do you do the saliva test? Is it once a month or you just do one and then you come back six months later? If a woman comes to me and wants to find out if her hormones are in balance or her desire is to, you know, a lot of menopausal women say, I want to go on hormones. Traditionally, physicians will put you on hormones and never test you. That's not how I have been taught. And to me, this makes a lot of sense. We always want to test you and see, are you low in your sex hormones? Your sex hormones may not be low. They may be normal or low normal, but they're not wiped out. They may be high. I mean, a really common scenario for women going into menopause is always low progesterone. So that's almost a given. That's about the only hormone I would recommend without a test. Low progesterone, you may have low estrogen or you may not. And your testosterone may be still very normal or even high normal. So it's kind of like instead of all the hormones kind of being balanced, you've got this little imbalance going on. And you have more male hormone than you have female hormones. So then you're going to have some irritability, maybe some anxiety. You're just going to feel off. So we always measure first, and then we start a program. And then ideally, we retest at three to six months. The experts say three months. You know, I usually tell women three to six months because life gets in the way, right? I like how you explain the symptoms. Like, I didn't know what to look for. So you said anxiety, and there was another thing for the um, testosterone. I like how you said that perk. So, okay, if you're low on this, you feel this and you feel that. That's I need, like, a, a chart. Right. That's what I need. So that's great. Thank you for saying And, you know, I need to get that to y'all to attach to your audience because 
we do have symptom sheets that correlate with are you high in this hormone or low in this hormone? And it's very helpful. Thank you. That's that's that. what I need. Even if you don't speak to someone like me, if you at least know, oh my gosh, my testosterone is high. No wonder I don't feel right. I've got more male hormone than female hormone. So there are things you can do naturally to get that testosterone down. And one of the things I'm going to recommend, and this actually came to me from an esthetician, you'll love this, Lindsay, is spearmint tea can lower a woman's testosterone if you drink it twice a day. Okay. Yeah, yeah so that's about as natural as it gets. Yes. I like natural. Okay, so can you explain to us... What are both the benefits and the risk of hormone replacement therapy? I know that's a long question there. So the benefits are almost too many to discuss in a podcast. There are so many, but the big benefits are they help decrease your symptoms, obviously. They protect our heart. They protect our bones. They protect our brain. All of our sex hormones act as mood stabilizers. So estrogen mimics serotonin or goes and stimulates serotonin in the brain. So it acts like Prozac, Zoloft, Lexapro, those popular medications that women commonly get put on during perimenopause. Progesterone is our calming hormone. It's our pregnancy hormone as well, but it's our calming hormone and the balancer to estrogen. And that can, obviously it creates, it helps you get pregnant, reproduction, but it protects us. So many other things, it helps our blood sugar, it helps our immune system, it helps balance the, estrogen does 400 jobs in the body. Does that blow your mind? 400 jobs. Wow. Every time I say it, I still can't believe it. But um, (laughs) the progesterone balances all that. Okay, okay. Do that. You said 400 things, I just wanted to do a couple Oh, gosh. So that's what we were just saying. The heart health. It does so many good things for the heart. It does so many good things for your bones to keep your bones, you know, strong and healthy. It does so many things for your mood. It does so many things for your brain and decreases cognitive decline. So that's some of the biggest benefits of estrogen. And you have a greater benefit when you get on these hormones younger or, you know, within those menopausal years. We do know the data shows it benefits greater the earlier you get on. However, there is never a time when a woman can't get on hormones if that is something she desires and she's healthy enough to be on hormones. So the progesterone is our calming hormone. It's more like a Xanax in our body or a sleeping pill. And then testosterone, we do need testosterone. Testosterone keeps our bones strong. It keeps our muscles strong. It's good for our libido in the right amount. But it's also like a well-being hormone, and it acts sort of like a well-butrin in the body, a dopamine norepinephrine hormone or antidepressant. So hormones are mood stabilizers, and we love them for that reason. But they've got to be in the right balance with each other. So if you've got too much of any of those hormones, you're not going to feel good. Not going to feel good. Are there any risks of hormone replacement therapy? So the risk, you know, I want to take this opportunity to discuss the huge women's study that came out 20 years ago, or actually was halted 20 years ago. In the late 1990s, I think it was 96, I think it was the Institutes of National Institute of Health or NIH, somebody like that, decided to do the put together the biggest, largest women's health study in America. It was called the Women's Health Initiative. There were 68,000 people or women in this study. And they wanted to show, you know, the world, to show Americans, physicians here and and women here, that hormones are safe. Because they had been using them for many, many years. And the hormones they used were the synthetic hormones called Primarin and Provera. So this study was supposed to show us how safe hormones were. And unfortunately, they halted the study in 2001, I think it was, 2002, because 
more women were having heart disease, blood clots, strokes, and breast cancer. And that halted women going on hormones. Now, the story that wasn't told, because the media ran with that, and women were fear afraid, doctors were afraid, everybody stopped going on hormones, nobody wanted to go on hormones, and rightly so, because the message that got out was all hormones are bad. But I want you to think about something. Who put hormones in our body? God put hormones in our body, right? He gave them to us to protect us, to help us create life, to help us feel good. I mean, they're good things. They're strong, strong substances in our body. We, as in Big Pharma, decided there was a hormone that was better for you than what your body only naturally produced. Because you can't patent what our body produces. And so they came out with this synthetic product many years ago, probably in the 50s, that consisted of pregnant horse hormones, pregnant mare's urine. So they would get these horses pregnant, and then they would pull their urine that was full of hormones, and then they created that in a lab to be a pill that women took when they were having hot flashes or couldn't sleep or mood swings or, you know, God forbid, we're going through that time when they just all go crazy, right? And we have had some really smart researchers and physicians over the last I would say three or so years, start digging into that study, which was, I don't even know how many pages, but it was pages and pages and pages. And they are pulling that study apart and sharing information differently than what got presented to us by the media and in the medical journals. And now they are saying that we have really done a disservice to women and have probably harmed women from taking them off of hormones because 20 years later, we're now seeing an increase in heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, cognitive decline, osteoporosis, depression in women because they were not on their hormones. But what we have to keep in mind is those were not real hormones. Those were synthetic. So we think the biggest issue here is that the synthetics probably are not the best thing for us to do and probably will cause problems. But if we do a bioidentical, which is identical to what our body produces, we should get the positive benefits. So that's That whole risk thing is shifting. Now, that being said, if you are going through any kind of cancer, you should not be on any hormones, especially a breast cancer that's been estrogen positive. That was my next question is who would not be a good candidate for hormone replacement therapy? So anybody who's going through cancer, definitely definitely not. Anybody else? Yes. And I mean, as you age and get older and you're, you're past 60, 65, if you're in poor health, you're probably not a good candidate for hormones. You really, hormones help us stay healthy. They're not going to make us healthy after the fact. You also do not want to take any oral estrogens, particularly as you age. We never really recommend oral estrogens. We recommend transdermal, which is a patch or a cream or a gel. But you do not want to take oral estrogens as you get older because we do know that that increases inflammation in the body. It increases blood clotting in the body. It changes a lot of your Markers that we look at, homocysteine, uh, C-reactive protein, things like that. So if you are healthy and you're over 65 and you want to get started on hormone therapy, we always recommend a cream for you, those patients. Okay. So our mom is 70. Okay. I'll just send me something. <laughs> She's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. I, I said that, mom. Stop myself. No. Me. But um, let me just stop right here. I posted, I will never forget. Oh, I got in so much trouble. When mom turned 70, I was like, I posted on Facebook, birthday. I was like, Happy birthday, mom! Happy well, 70th yeah, birthday, yeah, mom. I did. Happy 70th birthday, mom. All Not the mom's co workers had no idea mom was 70 because she's so 
you know, vivacious and she looks vibrant. fantastic and vibrant, has the energy. She came home that night. She told me face to face. She goes, did you say something? Because people in my office came up to me today and said, Anne, I didn't know you were 70. Happy birthday. I got in so much trouble. We, oh, God. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> she didn't celebrate it because she looks amazing. Yeah. But yeah, she did not celebrate. That. But for example, so our mom was on hormone replacement for 10 years and then the doctors told her to get off of it. It's been 15 years since she was on HRT and that was about 15 years ago. So yeah, well, you were saying, that, so this research has been updated since then. So Yes. And I will say, I don't ever tell somebody how long they have to be on hormones. That's a personal choice. And if you are on hormones for 10 years, that has still given you a ton of benefit. Even if you decide to go on them for a period of time, say 10 years, and then you decide you want to go off of them, you still got a ton of benefit for that time frame after menopause that you were on hormones. So, you know, all's not lost if we didn't stay on our hormones. For you personally, for so what changes in your lifestyle did you make for your perimenopausal years? Are you in perimenopause? Yeah, I'm in perimenopause. So this is, yeah. Um, so was it diet? Oh my gosh, you're totally point. So this is a question for you, Ashley. <laughs> Lindsay's Why fine. am I asking this question? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's funny. So Pam, Ash, and I are I'm like two years apart. Like 46. And, yeah. Right? Like you're like, I'm 26, Ashley. I, this is your perimenopause <laughs> I'm in a very unusual spot because I just had a baby with the help of fertility. It wasn't, it was not natural. And so I should probably be in perimenopause. My body's like, what's going on? So I'm going to be just a huge mess. So I'm, I'll have to see what you're doing. So Ashley, you're, you're in perimenopause. So Pam, when you were in perimenopause or you're still in perimenopause, what was a diet exercise? Is there any lifestyle changes that you made? Yes, that's when I started getting more serious about my diet and my health and really started exercising. I, you know, I had always worked for corporate America and just worked a lot of hours and didn't take care of myself as much as I should have. But yeah, anybody that's wanting to feel good hormonally in their body, you've got to have that foundation of good food. So you've got to make sure, and, and it gets more important as you get older, but the, make sure you're having plenty of protein in your body. I learned that early on with the migraines that I was having that were hormonally driven. Plenty of good healthy fats, plenty of complex carbs, you know, like vegetables, cruciferous vegetables are so important to help us metabolize our estrogens. So, you know, we're talking about the broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, those sorts of things. Making sure you stay hydrated is so important. When women come to see me and they're not sleeping, that's the very first thing we work on. You have to sleep to be healthy. It's just mandatory. We can teach you how to do that because a lot of times that's hormonally related. You got to have some kind of movement in your body, you know, every day if you can, but at least several times a week. You've got to figure out how to de-stress because stress really tugs and pulls on your hormones. So time to start doing the deep breathing, get a yoga class, stretching before bed, walks outside, even if it's just for 10 minutes. All of those things really... You know, we've heard of it. We need to do those things for years, right? Everybody knows these things. But they really do help if we can be consistent with some of these. You mean, you know. Wait. Yes. Oh, gosh, yeah. So we're really right now. Yes. Exercise is so important. And then, yes, for the muscle tone, you do need to lift some weights. Uh, I'm not a big fan of a lot of cardio as we get older. 
because sometimes that stresses the body too much. But I am a big fan of yoga and Pilates and walking and uh, weightlifting, those sorts of things. Yoga, stretching, deep breathing, all those things really make a difference. I like that because we did. did so much cardio in our 20s and 30s oh. and I hate it. I just, I hate it. And I, I, I hated I it too. Like I never I, liked I, it. I don't like aerobics classes. I mean, I'm just like, ugh. I don't want to do it. But the weights I get excited about. I like doing the weights. And the yoga and Pilates. Yeah. Walking is my favorite. Yes, I like doing that too. So I don't know if it's just a change in our mindset or our bodies, but. We'll have to all welcome Paris to the front. There we go. (laughs) I love that. Yes, there we go. Well, I think it is a minute to have peace, you know, some time to ourselves. So I think that's maybe why people, women love walking so much. Because you do get a little bit of peace and quiet for a minute there, (laughs) a few minutes. Yes, you do. Um, I wanted to ask a personal question because I have been a long-time sufferer of migraines. Ever since I have changed my diet to whole foods and I'm cutting out the processed stuff and I'm using uh, anti-inflammatory oils, I mean, I have seen such a big shift in just the supplements I'm taking. And I've increased my protein as well significantly. So... You mentioned that, so I just wanted you to touch base on a little bit. You said you suffered migraines early on, and then you said something about you added protein. So you saw a correlation with that and your reduction of migraines? Yes. So my mom said at three years old, I started saying, Mommy, my head hurts. I still get headaches to this day. I'm 61. I had horrific migraines during my perimenopausal years. Horrific. And there was a time when I was on 12 medications You know, I wasn't taking them all every day, but I was a big traveler and I traveled a lot for work and for, you know, just for pleasure. And my biggest fear was leaving home without my migraine suitcase. You know, it was just really like a little cosmetic bag, but it had all the migraine stuff in it. You know, what if I have this headache? What if I have this headache? What if it feels like this? What if it feels like that? I mean, it was totally controlling my life. And I found, now I did start progesterone. That was part of my issue, but I found that when I started eating protein with every meal, staying hydrated and having plenty of water every day, getting good sleep, you know, good eight hours a night. There's one, oh, magnesium glycinate was a game changer too. So those are the probably the biggest things that really made a difference for me. So I was excited when my period stopped because that was a week-long headache that I didn't get every month. I love that you said that because you know what, Pam, my daughter, she's so young and she does a lot of mommy, my head hurts. And so just by today's podcast, she doesn't like meat. And so it's hard to get her to eat protein. So I need to upper protein. Also, she doesn't drink a lot of water. That's me too. So I'm going to be like, Penelope, we've got to eat her protein, drink her water, and then do the magnesium. Magnesium. And try to get some magnesium in her too, like a, a, a liquid magnesium of some sort. Mary Ruth's Organics has a delicious little magnesium mineral, oral, coconutty flavored thing if she likes coconut. And I can help you with that if you need some suggestions. Because she does need to, to get her protein and her magnesium in her water for sure. Thank you. And you know what? This is why I am so thankful that Pam, you came on our podcast today because Pam is her and her pharmacy, and we're going to have all of the information linked below. But if you want to connect with Pam, she offers consultations and individualized medicines. She will also offer to speak to your doctor on your behalf. She also offers a yearly conference with Dr. Pam Smith, who is one of her mentors. So to connect with Pam, you can go to mycompoundingsolutions.com. That's mycompoundingsolutions.com. 
We will again have this linked in the show notes. And we just want to say thank you, Pam. We know you are extremely busy. Thank you for taking the time out of your Okay. Ashley never lets me talk. Thank you. But I wanted to say, because I enjoyed it so much. I'm a big talker. I think it's really cool how you talk on behalf of your clients to the doctor, because I know that's scary. I know that Ashley had a huge challenge with her doctor and they just, her doctor just wasn't like spending enough time with her and listening to her and just kind of um, brushing it off. And for you to be an advocate for other women on their behalf, because you you talk their language and we all, we don't know the language. And so that is, I think right there is just huge. So thank you for doing that. Appreciate that. Thank you. I do feel like I've found my life's work with what I'm doing right now. It makes me so happy to help women. I just absolutely love it when I'm in my consult room, working one-on-one, trying to help you figure out your hormonal puzzle, connect the dots while you're feeling not so good or having issues. I really do love helping women. It's been my favorite job so far. (laughs) Yeah, I personally say thank you for bringing my sister back. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Wonderful news. I'm glad to hear that. We're going to say, until next time. Yeah, I'm shutting you up. (laughs) Thank you, Pam. Thanks, Hoxton. Thank you all.